in an age when the normal process of birth has become a medical procedure, it is common to get advice that will drive you straight into a system that is just in the business of protecting its own liability and its own bottom line. But the purpose of my podcast and the underlying theme of each episode is to steer you into a deeper relationship with God, recognizing that He is the true expert and the master designer. Today's story is no different. You're going to walk away from this episode knowing what can be possible when you put your faith in God and follow your gut. Let's go. Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth if we work with his design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for his glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. So today's episode and tomorrow's episode are an interview that I did with Anna Espinosa. Anna is a wonderful young lady who recently had twins in an out-of-hospital setting in Arizona that was attended by my friend Nancy of Emergence Midwifery and her team. I first heard Anna's story on the Birthing Instincts podcast when Dr. Stu interviewed her, and I just loved her story so much, and I heard so many aspects of her faith in her story that I wanted to explore it more with you here, because I know you, my dear listeners here, are really, really digging into your faith in God, how to grow closer to God during your pregnancy, and also how to break free from the system that feels like sometimes it's got you kind of entangled in it. Her story is a story of fear-mongering at first. It's a story of fear-mongering and all the scare tactics only on steroids because her situation was, quote, complicated by the fact that she was carrying twins. You know, it could have been a story of abandoning her plans when she was scared into all of these things, but instead it is a story of empowerment. It's a story of faith. It's a story of guts and courage. And it's a story with a beautiful ending that honors God and will show you the possibilities of what can be done when you are brave enough to say no to bad advice, no matter how many letters the advisor has behind their name. Today's episode is part one, and tomorrow you'll get part two, so be sure to tune in for that one. And without further ado, let's get into it. I'm so excited today to bring you a just a great, great mama. Um, I heard first of um, Anna on Dr. Sue's podcast. You hear me talk about that podcast all the time, but um, Anna and her husband, Jorge, is that right? Jorge? Mm-hmm. Um, they were pregnant or Anna was pregnant with twins. Um, it was this past year. Is that correct? Yes. So this is mm-hmm. relatively new. And um, 
I wanted to talk to Anna on my podcast to add to some of the story that she shared um, on Dr. Seuss because so much of her journey and so much of what she went through that she's going to tell you about had so many faith elements that I think that you all are going to be able to glean a lot from and kind of kind of build some some strength and some courage from knowing her story. So I just so excited to have you, Anna, and I appreciate you coming on. And so I'm just going to kind of let you loose. Tell us about tell us about your story, um, you know, finding out you were expecting twins all the way through to the end. Yeah, thank you so much, Lori, for having me. I'm really just I feel so blessed just to be able to share my story um, just because I, I feel like while it, it feels unique, I know that there's also a lot of moms out there similar to my situation with twins, but also just in general with, you know, trying to navigate their pregnancy. And if they've been given advice by a doctor or whoever that they feel in, you know, their being that doesn't sit well with them. Um, just to figure out how to navigate that, especially as you mentioned, with God being at the center and being able to help us move forward in that confidence of, um, you know, what we feel is right. And so um, we found out I was pregnant um, actually last at the end of last January. So it'll be almost a year now. And um, everything had gone pretty smooth. Um, I was seeing a, a midwifery group. So we were going to do a freestanding birth center birth because we had one with my firstborn and really liked the experience. And I'd always wanted a home birth, uh, but living in an apartment complex, we were like, eh, probably not this time around. Um, so you're going to do a freestanding birth center. So I hadn't gotten a an ultrasound up until the 20-week anatomy scan. That was going to be the first time that we were going to be seeing the baby. And we were just excited to see them for the first time and figure out, you know, it's going to be a boy or girl. And so that was sort of leading up to that point. The only thing we were really concerned about um, up until then, you know, they they got the heartbeat, only found one, the only, <laughs> only time that... Um, we had gotten the heartbeat once, um, prior to actually, it's funny because prior to the ultrasound appointment, it was a couple weeks before and the midwife who was working with us, she went on one side of my, my belly, found the heartbeat and then lost it. And so then she was moving it around, moving it around. And then she went all the way to the other side and found a heartbeat again. And she just said, oh, it must have just done a flip in your belly. It never occurred to like do an ultrasound, you know, check to see if there was more than one in there. And we were just like, oh, it must love to just kind of move around, like having fun, whatever. So really did not dawn on us at all that it could be more than one baby. So again, to our surprise at the 20-week anatomy scan, the ultrasound tech was like, Anna, I have something to tell you. And I'm looking at the screen and Jorge is looking at the screen. And Jorge thought it was going to be something really like bad, like bad news. And um, I started to kind of squint and look at the screen. And I'm like thinking to myself, that looks like there might be two. And Jorge looks at the ultrasound tech and he's like, is there two? And she's like, there's going to be twins. <laughs> and um, she told us that they were um, monodi twins. So they're going to be identical twin girls. And 
Um, you know, after that, we were just shocked and excited. But at the same time, um, because we are now considered a high-risk pregnancy with having multiples, we wouldn't have been able to give birth at the birth center anymore. Um, and I know that's the same for a lot of birth centers as well. And so um, we were kind of whisked out the door. They said that the OB who oversees the birth center, which is something that we talked about on Dr. Stu's podcast, with just how kind of interesting that is where there's an OB overseeing a midwifery group where it kind of contradicts itself with in terms of the care approach and everything. But um, they just told us that the OB would be calling us um, to just give us next steps now that we have found out that we have twins and we are no longer going to be getting our care there. And so from that moment on, um, you know, we were shocked, surprised, happy, you know, excited and just had all the feelings, all the questions. And we were kind of let down a little bit by the conversation that we had with the OB when he called us later that day, because he basically said, you know, by what we're seeing, because of the type of twins you have, monodi, meaning that they're sharing a placenta, but they have the separate amniotic sacs. Um, there are some risks that can come with that particular type of twins. And so I'm going to be referring you to a maternal field medicine group, um, MFM for short. And so we didn't even understand what the difference was between an MFM versus an OB. We just thought that they were like an OB, but more specialized. And so um, we just sort of trusted that we were going to be uh, put into good hands for our next part of the journey. And, um, you know, that next week we had our first appointment with the MFM, which consisted of a full um, growth scan of both the girls. So it was like a two hours long ultrasound appointment. And so they looked at everything. They took measurements of everything. Um, and basically at the end of the appointment was where, when we met with the MFM and she said, you know, we're going to be looking at these different things. You're going to be coming back every week. And then every third week, we're going to do a full growth scan again. But every other week, we're just going to be looking at these certain things, um, you know, like TTTS, TAPS. They're going to be um, looking at the placenta. They're going to be looking at the blood flow and everything. And it, it felt very overwhelming because you know, it's a pregnancy, which I had had, you know, experienced before with my, with our firstborn, but, you know, with twins and especially monodi twins, we came into this world of feeling like we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what to expect. Um, and so we kind of left that appointment feeling like in over our heads, feeling overwhelmed. And, um, yeah, I, just was talking to Jorge, like, whatever this path is, we, I mean, we have to trust that it's in our best interest. And, but it wasn't until about the third or fourth appointment where they kept measuring, they kept looking at everything, everything was fine. They assured me that I was still going to be able to deliver both of them vaginally, everything was going to be fine. Um, but yet they still wanted us to come back and monitor these things where I started to feel a little bit uneasy. And I started questioning things because in my mind, I was like, if we're not finding anything, 
if everything's looking normal, it's projected to stay normal up until birth, then why do we need to come back sort of thing? I understood that um, with monodite twins, there are different complications, but we had been monitoring them and they seemed like they were doing just great. And so, um, and Jorge felt the same way too. And so I actually began, um, I didn't mention this on Dr. Stu's podcast, but I actually began sort of doing my own research about monodie twins and about the different um, things they were saying about them, the different complications that can happen, the, um, you know, the medical words and phrases that they were using and um because I wanted to know what they were talking about and I wanted to know how those things applied to my girls and my pregnancy and so I had a notebook and I like I was back in college I was taking notes I was writing vocab down I was I was writing stats down um and actually every week after the ultrasounds i would write down the ultrasound results from what they measured the notes that they had said um in the aftercare report because i wanted to be able to look back and have this information and go you know if there's ever a time in the future where i feel like they're contradicting what they're saying that i can go back and say well actually like what i'm looking at doesn't seem to be quite fitting what you're saying. Uh, what ended up happening <laughs> because at around week 30, I um, went to the appointment alone. Jorge was able to come with pretty much to every appointment except the 30 week appointment, which is where the maternal fetal medicine doctor told me after the appointment that she was going to recommend that the girls be um, taken out at 32 to 33 weeks. And, um, you know, up until then, she had been saying, we're just going to let them go as long as they can. You'll be able to deliver vaginally. But what she meant by saying that was that she wanted me to get scheduled for a C-section, take the girls out at 32 to 33 weeks, which would also mean a pretty long NICU stay because, that's very early to have babies out of their mama. And um, I, again, felt very overwhelmed, felt very lost um, because it just felt like a bait and switch. I had been told one thing and then all of a sudden she's telling me something completely opposite. And so I, I went home and Jorge had just gotten done with work that day. And um, he asked, you know, how'd it go? Did everything looking good still? And I said, you won't believe what they just told me. They want our girls to be taking out basically in the next two to three weeks. And he said, that doesn't seem right. And I said, yeah, it, it doesn't seem right. And so we sat down and we looked at all of the data, all of the measurements that I had been recording from the ultrasound appointments. And we actually did our own little growth curve chart to see where the girls were at, um, because that was one of the main reasons why the MFM was recommending um, the girls being taken out so early was saying, well, they might, you know, one is slightly smaller than the other and they might do better on the outside versus being left, you know, inside of you, which again, did not make sense to me at all. Um, and so when we charted the numbers, we saw that there was no true growth restriction 
um, for the girl who was a little bit smaller, who was twin A. And, um, you know, she was on her own little, little growth curve, but she was growing at her own rate, you know, exponentially. Um, and there was no, at no point, no, no decreases in her growth, no stalls in her growth, nothing that would constitute a real growth restriction. Um, and the same with the other thing was they were talking about twin B having more amniotic fluid than the other, where, you know, week to week, she would be sort of at the high end of the normal threshold. And they said, that's fine. But then when she would be, you know, 0 0.1, 0 0.2 over the threshold, they would label her as polyhydramnios, which is having that extra amniotic fluid. And so just because of those weeks where she would go slightly above, um, they labeled her with that. And that was another reason why they were giving the recommendation to take them out early. And so we did the same thing. We charted, and on average, she was well within the normal threshold for the amniotic fluid. And so at that point, I, I honestly felt at a loss because to me, what I was seeing wasn't making sense from what the MFM was telling us. And so, um, you know, I just thought, is there something that I'm missing? Am I, am I not right in feeling like this doesn't apply to our specific situation? Um, and I, I broke down later that night because I, you know, I said to God, like, I trust you, like, if this is really happening, and this is what we need to do to protect our girls, then, like, I will do it, but I just don't feel, like, it doesn't feel right, and so, like, I I want some guidance from you on, on what to do, and if it's not, like, a clear sign, just give me a, a, a nudge in some sort of direction, and that is when Jorge actually brought up uh, Dr. Stu, because I had mentioned him earlier on in the pregnancy, because, you know, he he's a great resource for twins. And uh, he said, don't doesn't he do consultations? What if we what if we consulted with him and, and sent him everything just to have him look at it, get a second opinion? And then depending on what he says, then we'll figure out our next steps. And so we ended up talking to him the next day over Zoom. I sent him all of the ultrasound reports, all of um, the other things that we had done during our, our MFM appointments. And he said, yeah, this doesn't make sense what they're recommending. This is, you know, he wasn't surprised because this is what the standard is for them to recommend. But it doesn't mean that it it should be that it's it's not a normal thing to take babies out at 32 to three, 33 weeks if there isn't a true emergent reason to do it. Um, and so we, we were like, okay, <laughs> that was all we needed. We, we, we called the MFM the next day and said, can you just give us some clarity on what you're recommending because you're saying this, but what we're seeing doesn't quite align with that. And she said, you know, that's just the, it's just the standard of what we recommend for monodi twins. That's just what we do because we would rather err on the side of caution than you know, be, you know, risking. And of course, she starts listing all the things that could go wrong, which have their own rates of 
of when and if they actually happen for mono die twins at this certain point. Um, and like, thankfully, it was a call, not a Zoom call, because Hori and I were just shaking our heads the whole time. We were like, this is just nonsense. Um, and so we we ended that call. We said, we're definitely not going back. We don't feel comfortable being in a hospital setting to um, have the support that we need if I want to be able to deliver the girls vaginally. We don't want any sort of outside pressure to go against what I feel I would be able to do during labor and birth with the girls. And so we said, okay, next step, we can't do birth center. Let's see home birth. What are our options here? And um, we started calling around, emailing a bunch of home birth midwives in in the area, even a couple hours north and south of us, because we said, we're just going to have all our bases covered. We just want to see if there is someone who will be able to help us um, and be there for the birth of the girls. And we sadly weren't able to find anyone. There was one or two who said that they would have been able to, but it was so close to my estimated due date that, and they were already booked up that they said, you know, we would have loved to have been able to be there, but Unfortunately, we aren't able to. Um, And then there were the other midwives who said that they can't pretty much right off the bat because of their licensing um, or just not feeling comfortable with delivering the type of twins that I had. So we talked to Dr. Sue. We said, is there anyone that you know out of your back pocket? Do you have anyone who would be able to help? And we said we would even consider going out of state um, to Arizona because we had a few uh, family friends there. Um, I have my aunt there as well. And so we said, if we're going to go anywhere out of state, we wanted to have at least a few people that we could rely on. Um, but even if not, then we would consider going somewhere else because we just wanted to be able to have the birth experience that in my in my deepest parts of myself, I really felt like could happen. And so he said, you know, we have um, a few midwives out there that I know of, one of them being Nancy with Emergence Midwifery, who you have a connection to as well, uh, Lori. But um, so we ended up connecting with Nancy and and she, uh, God bless her, she she pulled some strings. She made room for us in, in their schedule and she took us on into her care. And so... Um, we all had a conversation with Dr. Stu and her and made sure that she felt confident and, and competent enough to take us on. And, and she said yes. And so we made the plans then pretty much this was in the next three weeks at that point to go down to Arizona um, and just sort of wait and see when the girls would decide to arrive. So we um Thankfully, my parents were able to come with us because we had our our two-year-old at the time as well who was going to come with us. So they were going to help take care of her. Um, they stayed with us. We we rented out a house. Um, I, I checked and they didn't say that home births weren't allowed. <laughs> they just said no party. I said, so this is, it, you know, it's kind of close. It's, it's, it's a, a birthing party. party. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know there won't be super loud music and rowdiness at least so um yeah so we headed down um estimated due date was october 3rd and so we headed down about um a month before so we were staying there just hanging out waiting for the babies to arrive and and throughout that waiting we had appointments with nancy she would come and see us um make sure everything's okay and she just took such good care of me and my family as well um and then a couple weeks later it was september 19th in the evening and i started to have contractions um which surprisingly were pretty close together right away and so i got really freaked out (laughs) Because it was my second pregnancy, I thought this could go super fast and <laughs> we won't be able to catch our breath or or it could be, you know, sort of strong, but a long labor. And so I immediately let Nancy know and my, my doula, Erica, know and um, other people who were involved. And they said, OK, we're just going to make our way over now because, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. And so. I labored pretty much throughout the night, um, and then in the morning, things started to slow down, and they said, not to worry, this is common, you know, just because of your your body being aware of what time it is and everything, and so they said, you know, in the afternoon, things will probably pick up again, and so I rested during the day, I, I um, ate, and I drank, and I just was able to relax. Um, which I really enjoyed because I didn't have to worry about going anywhere and getting ready to to leave at a certain point. And I think that really helped my state of mind, just being prepared for whatever was going to happen. It it helped me be in the moment. It helped me um, just not trying to think about what's coming next, which I felt like um, with my first birth was the experience that I had. I was like, okay, at what point am I going to go to the birth center? You know, how much longer do I have? Where this time around, I was just really surrendering to the process um, and trusting that uh, it was going to be on God's perfect timing that they decided to make their entrance. And so um, later on in the afternoon, things picked up again, just as as Nancy thought they would. And um, we... Uh, we're just in labor land. I was doing my thing. I honestly thought that it was a couple hours, like two to three hours, but ended up being um, until eight o'clock in the evening was when things really picked up. And I went through transition. Um, we had the birth tub all ready to go already. And so um, I got in, it was probably a little bit before eight, actually, because I thought you know, just being in labor land, I thought that this was like a span of like 10 to 15 minutes where it really was like an hour. <laughs> um, and um, I got in and after that, things picked up so quickly. Um, but I I wasn't worried about where I was at. I, again, was just trying to be super in the moment, um, surrendering to the process of, of labor. And um, then I started to feel baby A. Uh, start to crown, which really surprised me <laughs> for some reason. Um, I think I was expecting, I don't know, I think just going to twins, I'm like, it, it has to be different than than like the first, you know, singleton birth. But um, she came on pretty strong. And that surprised me, but I was still super in the moment. And 
um, Nancy and midwife Jess, who was there assisting Nancy, she, um, they were just hanging out, letting me do my thing. And they really didn't come up next to me until, um, baby A's head emerged and then her body came out shortly afterwards. Um, and I think everyone, including my doula, because she was sitting in the corner, not really knowing what was going on. Um, and then Nancy said, oh, here, take your baby. And Erica's like, oh, I got to get my camera. There's a baby. What? <laughs> and um, that was just a really, really special moment. Um, and they checked on baby B to make sure that she was doing good still, just because of that increased risk with them sharing the placenta. The placenta can sometimes start to detach before baby B starts making their way, but everything, everything seemed fine. Um, but they were prepared, you know, in case things were to go a certain way, thankfully. And, um, but again, thankfully it, we, we didn't need any of those things because baby B was born 11 minutes later. Uh, so pretty, pretty fast after that. And, uh, one thing that I shared on Dr. Stu's podcast and also, um, that I shared in my birth story, uh, is that I was able to hold my, my first baby, my first twin in my arms as I birthed baby B. And, um, I just thought, you know, I just, I just gave birth to her. I want to still have skin to skin. I still want to hold her and bond with her while I'm bringing her sister into the world. And so I'm, I'm really happy that I was able to do that because it was just such a special thing that I'll remember forever. Um, and, uh, yeah, after that, everything was just great. And they checked my bleeding. They were prepared, you know, in case I, I was bleeding a little extra, but thankfully I didn't need any of that. And I was just able to relinquish and just the journey and, you know, what brought us to this point and really just thanking God for his faithfulness and making a way for us to have the birth that I strongly believed that I would have been able to have. And um, we just, I sat in the tub with them, just cuddled them. They were still attached to the placenta, you know, put it in the little bowl to float in the water. They got all the good blood cells and everything. Um, And my, my older, my daughter, our two-year-old, she was brought into the room shortly after that. And she was just so excited to meet her baby sisters. And we have a really precious uh, video that Nancy took of us singing happy birthday to the girls and uh, just things that I will forever remember. Um, But I think I'm all the more grateful for because in thinking back of what our journey could have looked like if I wouldn't have listened to my gut, um, I wouldn't have been able to have those special moments. It would have been very, very different. Um, and so, yeah, I just made everything all the more sweeter. So we're about at the halfway point of this awesome interview I got to have with Anna. And I'm going to cut it here just so this episode is not too, too long. But be sure to set a reminder for tomorrow because I'm going to publish the second half of the episode for you tomorrow. So you don't have to wait till next week. You're going to get it tomorrow. So be sure right now, go set you a reminder and follow this podcast on your favorite podcast app so that you'll get a notification telling you that it has been posted and be sure to let me know what you think about it. Okay, so I'll see you right back here 
tomorrow. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.